Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome back to Books and Stuff Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Zach. And this should be week three episode of the new year. Yes, it is week three. It is a new episode and uh, we're very excited for it because now we're talking about positive things with books. Where last week was negative. Yeah, arguably the most exciting episode because it's our best books of 2023. Now, if you know us or have been following us for a while, you would know that we both have booktube channels. All of those links are always linked in the show notes. And we usually do a top 10 over on YouTube talking about, well, you guessed it, our top 10 books. And this is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be our top five, but maybe like more in depth, both of our thoughts on it, because he has read some books in my top five and I have read some in his top five. So you'll kind of get both opinions on these books and it's going to be a good time. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting with mine with this is on my YouTube channel, what I usually do is I separate King. Like I'll do a King top, you know, I'll rank the King books I read in the year and then I'll have a separate top 10 for other books of the year so that way I can kind of separate them. Because honestly, if I put King in my top 10, I'd probably have too many in my top 10. Hence why in my top five, I'm combining them and there's two King in my top five. So that's why I separate them on my YouTube channel. So for this uh, episode, I'm going to include King and the other books to make just one list of top five. So yeah. Also, before we get started, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening, especially on Apple and Spotify. That's where it's the most helpful. It really helps us grow and get seen and all of that good stuff. Also, follow us over on Instagram because that's where you'll get the most information, most up-to-date information. Our bookstagrams are also in the show notes, and we have vowed to be way better about all the social media stuff we do um, this year. So follow all of that, and we don't really have a currently reading again because... If you've listened to the last two weeks, we kind of said it, where we are pre-recording some of these um, episodes because these aren't super, like, of the moment, so they don't need to be, like, a, like, weekly update or anything like that. Yeah, it just makes it a little bit easier, at least to start off the year. We want to kind of have some pre-recorded options so that way we can, you know, Maybe start doing like pre-record a month. So in January, we'll record for February and so on and so forth. So that way we can stay on top of it this time around. Only when it's like a list type video. But anyway, yeah. Do you want to get started with your number five? I will start us off. So originally I had kind of like a tie in this uh, section for number five and an honorable mention. But the more I kind of pondered it and thought about it, I can definitively put one as a five. 
where the other one is just not going to be mentioned. Um, coming in at number five for me is Revival by Stephen King. So we're actually on the heels of filming of you filming your Stephen King ranking video that we just talked about. So I'm kind of not surprised that you slipped this into number five firmly because you literally just kind of raved about it while filming that video. Yeah, I just kind of talked myself into adding it here. Yeah. So uh, Revival is a, I would probably say, one of his darker novels. Uh, this is by Stephen King, of course, uh, if I did not say that yet. So he... Oh, actually, before we get super into it, if there's any of these books that we talk about in, I guess, this 10, uh, list of 10, let us know um, if you want like a full like deep dive episode on a particular book, especially... Or not especially, just any of them in general. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you for that. So pretty much this book is, in my opinion, the second darkest like Stephen King book that I've ever read. Uh, and the darkest, obviously, since Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery is the darkest book that I've read pretty much ever. I think that's pretty like well-known. Yes. And so Revival is... Basically, we start off the book, we're following a kid named Jamie, who befriends the new town minister, Charles Jacobs. And Charles Jacobs has got this weird fascination with electricity and like lightning and like all that kind of stuff. And pretty much what ends up happening at the start of the book is uh, an accident happens to Jamie's brother. It's a skiing accident that leaves him pretty much like paralyzed like a vegetation state basically and he can't talk can't really move much and one day he brings him to charles jacobs and charles jacobs literally like performs a miracle and saves his brother and his brother's able to talk and start moving again almost immediately and is deemed in an absolute you know miracle of what happens uh sometime in the near future in the book um, an accident takes the life of Charles Jacobs, uh, wife and son, and he goes down a dark path pretty much the rest of the book. He kind of becomes like this evil guy where he's kind of asking the age old question, what happens when we die? Where do we go? Uh, he gets eventually kind of kicked out of the town because during one of his sermons, he kind of blasts off on religion and all this and all that is like, why is there a God if this happens or that happens? This book has got very strong religious, you know, aspects to it. So be weary going into it, I will say, because they talk a lot about, you know, very deep religion, religious conversation, uh, pretty much. Um, but yeah, no, uh, then we kind of, we keep following Jamie. Um, Charles Jacobs performs some more miracles on people um, cures cancer, does this, does that. Um, and he, he does all this cool stuff. And then in the end, Jamie and him meet up again to do a really big save on Jamie's, like, I think this was like Jamie's like ex, like lover from like back in the day, uh, when they were kids and then they kind of lost track of each other. Um, and the ending of this book is very, 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 very weird. Um, I'll does put it one, that way. Does this one have a movie adaptation? 
Um, I was just reading. Apparently, there's some rights that have been jumbled around and jungled around from a couple different uh, producers and like so uh, mo- movie yet. people. Technically not yet, but I think there's going to be. I just don't don't know much else besides that. So, um, but yeah, uh, if you've read Under the Dome, that ending was very out there. That's the same thing with this one, but it's the whole perspective of what happens when we die and. In this case, it's, uh, yeah, it's very out there. I will put it that way. But it's a very dark story. Very, very dark. Um, this is one that's been on, like, so many of your TBRs, but it just always got, like, put on the back burner for whatever reason. I'm not even really sure why. I think, like, it was just kind of one of those books that was, like, medium length, so it was never, like, a big priority. Like, you always were either going to, like, try and knock out a long book or like read a really fast one so i feel like there were a few that were kind of like that middle uh, middle of the pack like not super long or short well yeah it's a book that i also on the inside kind of knew that i was gonna really really i feel like i was gonna really enjoy it but i don't know i kind of wanted to save it maybe i guess so that way it can be like a i don't know how i want to phrase it I want to kind of save it so that way I didn't like waste all the real, real good ones early on, I guess. Which you kind of did anyway. Yeah, which I did anyway, because within the first year I read It, Pet Cemetery, The Shining, and yeah. all that stuff. So, well, nice. but yeah, that would be my fifth favorite book of the year, Revival by Stephen King. And what is your number five? All right, so my top five is kind of a mixed bag this year. This reading year was just kind of all over the place in general but I read things kind of like out of my comfort zone and I read um I don't know I just had favorites that I didn't really expect to be favorites so with that being said one of those at number five for me is a book called Shockwaves by Matt Kurtz now if you've been following me for a while over especially probably on YouTube or maybe like Instagram or TikTok. I talked a lot about The Rotting Within by Matt Kurtz and I am just like out here trying to put like Matt Kurtz books like in everyone's hands because I really really liked The Rotting Within and I really really liked this one and it could be because of the time that I read it which I'll kind of get into when I get into like the synopsis but this is just one that I read at the right time being uh being pregnant in 2023 this book i don't want people to go in thinking that this is a book about that but there is an aspect of that in this book it's not like a huge like see i hate even saying that because i feel like people are gonna be like a horror book that has to do with pregnancy like no thanks but it's it's really not that There's just a little bit of it. Let me get into the synopsis. So this one is a creature feature set in the 80s at an amusement park. So talk about a great setup and atmosphere. Does that not intrigue you? I mean, yeah, those two things are definitely deal breakers and they both sound really good. Deal breakers? 
They're not deal breakers. Or whatever the term is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this one follows a group of teens who all work at this park, and there's a storm on its way, so everyone is excited the park might close early, especially Danny, who's our main character, and he's looking to patch things up with his girlfriend, who had just told him before his work shift that she was pregnant, and he didn't handle the news uh, the way that he wished. So he's like, sweet, if the park closes early, then I'm going to go try and find my girlfriend and try and match and try and patch things up with her. I believe her name is Stacy, but she's not like a huge player in this. So I don't remember it completely, but I think it's Stacy. Um, anyway, so not only is there a storm incoming, but there's a construction site across the street that explodes and unleashes tons of of creepy crawlies and as you can imagine chaos ensues with the employees and with the park guests it's basically like a fight for survival and as soon as i finished reading this book i was like this book is definitely going to be in my top 10 i don't know where i didn't know at the time obviously where it was going to land i read this a few months back but i knew that this was going to be another hit from matt kurtz like i said because of the pregnancy aspect, it really kind of, I don't know, touched me or resonated with me because this guy was really trying to fight to find his girlfriend and make things right because he wanted to do that, like, for the baby and for his relationship and everything. And it just, it was a nice story to read at the time of me being pregnant because I was like oh that's so sweet and blah 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 so this is just kind of like a right place right time but also it was a really great horror book like these creepy crawlies were intense reading about them and like it's definitely horror I just want to make that clear general horror but um yeah it was it was just really good and he's two for two for me and I think he's a really underrated author when it comes to short horror books um, or just horror in general. And I think that he's worth checking out either this one or the rotting within, but yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds intriguing. Kind of sounds like the, the construction site thing at the, what did, what was that weird spider book I read clowns versus spiders or something like yeah. that. It's kind of like the same kind of premise. Somebody blows up a mine on accident and unleashes a bunch of like spiders and, all this bad stuff happens. I will say this is just... Like, I think you would really like this one. Sounds like I would. Potentially. So, yeah, good one. What's your number four? All right, so coming in at number four is a book that I think we ended up not... No, did we do... We did a podcast on this book. Yep. Everyone Here is Lying by Sherry Lapina. So... Backstory, you've read all of her books. I have not... But um, I think it's worth noting that you've read all of them because you kind of have a judge of like her writing and like which ones are worth your time, which ones aren't and you know, all that. Yes. And this is definitely worth the time. Um, I want to say this is probably my new favorite Sherry Lupina book that I have. It's definitely either first or second. Also, um, we did do a whole podcast deep dive deep dive dedicated to this book and we did include spoilers at the end of that episode i don't think we're talking about spoilers in this one no we're gonna try and avoid that so um check out that episode if you want all of the everything 
Yeah. If you want all the tea, sis, go check out that podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in this book, basically you're following a gentleman um, named uh, William Wooler. I think that's how you pronounce the last name. The last name doesn't matter. Whatever. We're following a guy named Will with uh, named William, and basically we start off the book. He's having an affair, and we uh, get him, you know, coming home to Avery, his daughter, home from school early. She got kicked out again because she was throwing a tantrum in a class or something like that. I don't really remember what it was. How old is she again? Nine or 11, something like that. I think she's nine. Eight, maybe even? I don't know. Uh, she has a younger brother. Is it younger brother? I'm not, no, I don't think so. Well, she has a sibling. I don't remember if it's a younger or older brother. Yeah, she does have a brother. Um, and I think it's younger because he's still at school. Um, pretty much what ends up happening in this story is Avery is missing. She is either presumed dead, kidnapped, or something happens to her. She's gone. The last person to have an interaction with her is William, and he hits her. So th- this is, t- it's hard for me to talk about this book because of the one spoiler I always want to say about it. Yeah, and it's can't. so similar to another book that, I, that we both have read that I literally, anytime I talk about this book, it's... Oh, it's frustrating because I want to say it, but it's just going to ruin the book. So the first half, we're following what's going on. All, like, hell is breaking loose. Uh, neighbors are turning on neighbors. There's, uh, you know, the whole affair thing going on. The investigation's going on, trying to figure out where Avery is. The truth comes out about William coming home early, and the affair cuts out, and him slapping her, and... All this stuff gets out, and it's real bad. He ends up getting, like, divorced, and, like... And then, about halfway through, or three-quarters of the way through, big plot twist is revealed, and not everyone in the neighborhood is who they appear to be. So, I will leave it at that. But, uh... Yeah, there's really not much else I could say about it, because the whole rest of the book is basically going to get spoiled if I do. So, I will shut up. But, yeah, really good book. All these are five stars, obviously. So, um, But I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know Danielle enjoyed it. And number four, there you have Everyone Here is Lying by Sherry Lapina. Yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite thrillers that I read this year. It's not on my top ten just because I had a couple, like, sneaky favorites. But that's definitely um, one of my favorite thrillers. A, a, a top 15, maybe. Yeah. Um, That was definitely one of my favorite thriller reads of the year, though, for sure. My number four pick is another one that is very much so a wild card. And that is Death Valley by Melissa Broder. This book is basically literary fiction and it's very weird. So not in my normal genres at all. But I was kind of drawn to this book by the length, not going to lie, and also the cover. And I've heard really good things about um, Melissa Broder's writing. So I kind of wanted to check this one out. And I really knew nothing going into it. So this one follows our nameless main character who is grappling with the fact that her father is dying in the ICU. And her husband has been sick for quite a while now. 
She's also a writer and working on her current novel. So she leaves her family for a quick like mental getaway, but also to gather research for her book. Um, so she goes to a desert in California, aka Death Valley, and is staying at a Best Western hotel where the receptionist recommend a local trail for her to hike and that hike she does take and things just kind of get crazy on the hike um she stumbles across a giant cactus with magical properties and things get weird to say the very least she talks with inanimate objects she's visited by past versions of her father and husband uh she's just trying to survive on the trail while getting lost and in the scorching heat And essentially, this whole book is exploring um, multiple different themes like life and death, love, grief, especially grief. Um, And it felt very much like a fever dream while reading it because you kind of feel like you're with her on this trail as she's like going through it. You know, it's a scorcher outside. She's lost. She's like, you know, just going through it. I don't want to say too much. Um, Suffering from like heat issues and stuff like that probably yeah and um i was just so captivated by the story there were some really standout quotes in this book and it reads really quick because most chapters are only um a couple pages and so it was really easy um to read and um i just really related to the main character and you really feel for her because you're basically it's just you and this main character the entire book like it's it's very much so um, just like a character uh, driven story. It's just you and her. Um, so would I recommend this book? Yes, but also no going in that it's very, very weird. It's got some magical whimsical elements to it, which I think in my last video, I was like, that's normally not for me, but it just kind of worked with this book. And I really liked the variety of topics that made you really think and feel. Um, And so, yeah, I loved it a lot. And I'm not really a rereader, but this is definitely a book I will 100% reread. I actually uh, originally read this from the library. And I knew right away that this was a book I wanted to ask for for Christmas. And I got it. So now I can reread my own copy and highlight the quotes that I was very much so um into and yeah i can't wait for that day to come when i do reread it so there's my number four it's very exciting sounds intriguing uh, especially like the whole lost in death valley and all that kind of stuff yeah so uh yeah so my top three we are on to number three here um this book i I thoroughly enjoyed this one, How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. We also did an entire podcast episode deep dive on this one, including spoilers, so you can go check that out. Back to you. (laughs) Yes. Back to you (laughs) in the newsroom. So this book, we're following uh, a family that's kind of broken apart, uh, Luis and Mark. Uh, Luis is a mother of a little girl um, who she absolutely loves and adores and she gets dragged into this uh i don't want to say gets dragged into her parents pass away and they go to uh their house i don't remember what town it's in 
But anyway, they go to their house. Uh, Mark, the older brother, I think it's an older brother. I think it's an older sibling he is. I don't remember which one's the oldest one. I think it's Mark. Anyway, they go to the house and they either, they have a couple different options. They either can keep the place, uh, they can fix it up and sell it. They could just sell it as is. They have a couple different options because uh, the house is left for them in the will. And Mark wants to sell. He does not want to keep the place. He wants to get rid of it. He thinks it's going to be a burden. He just wants it gone. Where Luis doesn't want to get rid of it because it's got so much nostalgia. It's where they grew up and all this and all that. And so Also, I think it's worth noting that these siblings are not very close. Like they haven't maintained a great relationship, um, you know, in their adult life. A yeah. close relationship. Yeah, no, not a not a really good relationship uh, because they, they really grew apart from each other. Yeah, so anyway. Um, and so basically uh, what happens is their parents collected some odd items. Uh, they collected dolls, like lots and lots of dolls. Like it, it's creepy how many dolls puppets. that they kept. Yeah, puppets and stuff like that. So... When they were kids, there was one in particular that was... Like the favorite. Like the favorite one they had. Um, and they completely forget about it when they're first going through the house. Uh, and then they notice, like, the attic is boarded up and all this and all that. Some weird things are going on. They think the house is haunted. They're hearing stuff in the attic. And then... There's some squirrel scenes in this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a squirrel scene in this book. Um and eventually it is revealed that Pupkin is alive. That is the doll that they were synonymously, like, as kids with, where they created this whole world, or, like, this make-believe kind of thing, and Pupkin, like, is a evil little... Mm. Pretty much what ends up happening is... The, I think the, one of the deaths of... Well, don't spoil it. Well, yeah. Well, no, I'm trying to think how the parents died. I don't know if it was age or if it was Pupkin. It's it's pretty like... Well, don't talk about that. Well, yeah, I know. I, it's, I thought it happens early on in the book. But uh, regardless, I will stop talking about that. But anyway, what uh, pretty much ensues is pure chaos as Pupkin is terrorizing both of them. Um, mainly, it's going after Luis and Mark just like doesn't really believe her at first that it is pupkin and then something happens to him and then he like comes around and is like yeah I, it's, it's it's pupkin and there's so many like scenes in this book that are just like so good there's a lot of gruesome the ending, scenes the ending is really good the ending is what really solidifies this as a f- all-time favorite is because it's so heartwarming and it's really nice i really loved this book it was so good um, I don't know what else there is to really say about it. It's yeah. it's a solid book. I really really like this. Um, out of all my Grady Hendrix books, I think I've read all of his stuff. His all of Grady Hendrix that I have so far. Um, I think so. And this is my all time favorite book now. Nice. Um, what was the other one? I can't, geez, I my don't best hear. friend's exorcism. Yeah, my best friend's exorcism was the top dog for probably three years, two, two, three years. But this book has toppled that. This book is just so, so, so good. Nice. So, 
my third all-time favorite book of the year is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. Nice. Mine, I know that we said at the top of this episode that we'd go more in-depth with um, these top fives, but honestly, this next one, I don't feel like I really need to because... Especially with me around. Yeah, we could be here for a long time. Did we do a whole episode? We did one for this book, right? Yeah, we did. Correct. Wow, that's funny. Um, Okay, anyway, my number three favorite book of the year is The Shining by Stephen King. We actually did a podcast episode at the beginning of the year about, or specifically for The Shining, um, like a deep dive episode. But we also did an episode that was like starting off the year with like a bunch of five stars. I don't remember the title or something like that. I, this was either the first or second book that I read in the year and it has stayed with me. Same with How to Sell a Haunted House, honestly. That was a January release. Um, This book has stayed with me till the very end of the year. And a couple other ones did too, but those are in the back half of the top 10. Anyway. The Shining. This probably doesn't need much of an explanation. This is, I believe, my third King read. And yes, it's the best one by far. Uh, This one you're following Jack Torrance. He takes a job as the winter caretaker for the Overlook Hotel. His son Danny has a special gift called The Shine. And it was so interesting and I guess fun to read. Like what all he could do and see and just everything his abilities were capable of um i thought that this book was so masterfully crafted the characters were really fleshed out and you really like go through it with each of them at different points in the book um jack is such a unique character you can go from hating him to liking him to like laughing at something he says or um i don't know it was just so interesting seeing his like character development and then also seeing like his downfall that the hotel kind of puts him through. You're um, making me want to reread this book now. Yeah, you should. <laughs> um, this has tropes I've been on record saying I love with like the isolated setting being basically in this hotel. It has a winter setting, which is timely. And I had a really great time reading this. I read this with no audiobook and um also i read it as a mass market paperback which again i don't really know why i chose to do that i think it was because like zach was getting rid of some um or maybe downsizing his like as many copies as he had of books and one um that he was getting rid of was a mass market of the shining and i just like loved the cover of it and i was like i'm gonna try reading it from like this book i think that's how it went down again i'm not totally sure this was the very beginning of the year but yeah i literally read this book with no audiobook which i'm a physical um reader so that's not totally out of the question but i do not really read mass markets they're hard to hold they're stiff they're chunky um the font is always so small but Yeah, I read this exclusively from the mass market and I had such a good time reading this. And I think that um, my top three here could be actually my top book is my top book. I was debating between putting The Shining as number two or number three. So I put it at number three. But um, if this were a different year, like this could easily be 
a favorite book of the year. Like it has those qualities. So yeah. Well, yeah. And again, definitely one that I would love to reread a uh, third time, I think. Uh, Sorry. It's fine. It's okay. I mean, there's a yeah, lot once of... once you get talking about this book, you, like, want to get back to that world. It, it makes me want to keep rereading it, and it makes me want to watch the movie nonstop. And that's why even it's your the favorite mini- book of all time. Even the miniseries. Honestly, I need to do a... I need to do a Shining episode myself where I talk about the miniseries, the movie, and the book. Because all three of them are so different, and yet, for me, all so perfect. It's like... We should. Grr. We can do that. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have five, ten it's hours a, to spare, everybody? It's a long year. We can plug it into a week. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Maybe we'll do. Oh no, maybe we'll do a shining month, where one week I'll talk about the movie and then the series and then the book. September. And shining then, September. Yeah. Let us know because our be little because our little boy shines. Well, actually, you know what you could do? You could do the mini series. You could do the movie. You could do the book, and then you could do um, like Doctor Sleep. Yeah, I gotta. I, I need to reread that honestly. Anyway, well, yeah. So I mean, I think that um, shows like why this book would be your favorite of all time. Like you always want to revisit it, and that checks out. Well, the problem is, it's not my favorite of all time oh, because I about that. <laughs> because of eleven twenty two sixty three. We still need to do the podcast episode for that, and I need to reread that one too. Well, well, once I finish all of King's catalog yeah. at the start of 2024, which if you have not listened to that goals episode, please go back and listen to that it's now. The first one of the year. Y'all's. Um, I want to just reread like literally my top five again. And like you have time, like Plug 1122, one in a month. The Shining, It. Maybe one in a month. Maybe I'll hold off on it. That one's uh I, it's so funny. I like whenever I want to reread it, I'm always like skeptical to do it. But then once I'm doing it, I'm like, yeah, this is great. Anyway, it always makes you contemplate your ranking after you reread it. I know because that's that's like my like one. And I know that after you reread The Shining, which I know will happen at some point this year, it's inevitable. You'll be like, maybe this is my favorite. And then you'll reread 1122. And then you're like, no, that is my favorite. Like, it's just like, um, well, it's just what's that called like a uh, recency, um, like recency, uh, I don't know, favoritism or something. I don't know. Recency, recent reads. No, like, I don't know what it is. When you've just done something recently, then it like will become like it sticks. It's so recent in your mind that you're like, yeah, that's my favorite for now. And then it switches up. Anyway, what's your number two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to ponder it a little bit. Um, my se- speaking of Stephen King, my second all-time favorite book of 2023 is Black House. So this is book two in the Talisman series. Where we're following Jack Sawyer, and I gotta say, <clears throat> sorry, something stuck in my throat. I gotta say this is probably. I, I don't know how else I can really talk about this book. It's not obviously it's not number one. Number one, if you've followed this far, you know what number one's going to be when I talk about it in a little bit. But well, this, yeah, this is one you can't talk about too much either because it's a sequel, it's, right? Exactly. It's a sequel, and there's a potential third book. So, like, and by potential, I mean Stephen King, if you're listening, write that darn third book. Okay, so um, this is the sequel to The Talisman. This is Jack Sawyer, 20 years after the events of The Talisman, 
And basically, we're following him as a retired police detective. You didn't even say the title. Black House. Oh, maybe I missed it. Anyway. <laughs> Where you at? Sorry. Um, so, this book, Jack Sawyer, it's 20 years in the future. He is a retired police detective. And this one case, like the fisherman killings or something like that in Wisconsin or what's going on. Um, and he wants nothing to do with it. He's retired. He gets convinced to go up there and take a look and see what's going on. And then a whole lot of supernatural crap starts happening. And, like, all these weird things from, like, the territories, which is where he went in The Talisman. This book has got so many Dark Tower references. I consider this, like, another Dark Tower book. Like, literally. And Frank Muller does the narration. Like, come on. Like, he Frank Muller's my guy. Like, if, if there's anything Frank Muller's reading... I'm going to listen. Honestly, just tell Zach that you want a podcast episode about Talisman and Black House so he can talk at length about this book and give you spoilers and just like go on and on and on because I know that it's killing him that he can't say a lot about this book. And so just just tell him that you want it and then we can do it. I mean, my second favorite like book character came from the Talisman. Like my second favorite character of the year came from the Talisman, Wolf. Like if you if you've read <laughs> who's the, your first oh someone from book one yeah someone from okay. the first book dude that dude is so op like he is such a boss I can't wait from to, book I one. cannot wait to f and talk about this guy no 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 the the first the number one book of the year for yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy you know what I'm talking about yeah I got you um but yeah no Wolf <laughs> is such a fun character from the first book literally it's just some dude who like turn like literally it's just a wolf and i'm like, getting flashbacks to tbr when you were like i don't even know this whale but i love this whale for whale fall oh yeah dude that was hilarious that's gonna be my favorite character of 2024 is the whale probably doesn't even have like any dialogue but the literally just the fact it's a whale like i like this whale I like that whale. That's go a nice it. whale. Go watch his January TBR. My, anyway. My January Are you TBR. done? I don't know. No, I'm not. So okay. um, one of the most memorable scenes in this book for me is literally Jack tells a group of guys to not go to Black House because something's going to happen. They have to wait for him. Well, the idiots go to the Black House anyway, and they get ambushed. They get absolutely attacked by, like, these creatures they don't even see them coming. They don't even know what they are. It, it's a gruesome, like, 30, like, literally almost like 30, 40 pages of these guys just getting absolutely destroyed. And I I was there for it. I loved it. I mean, Very obviously, nice. I didn't, like, want them to, like, get hurt because, like, they were, like, kind of good guys. But anyway... it's such a really nice story i thoroughly enjoyed it i the ending i can't talk about it but man he needs to write the 800 900 page sequel stephen king if you are listening please do so i need this third book like literally like take a year off and write this but don't take a year off because i want another book in 2025 as well so just like just make time do do everything do anything and everything write all of it okay write none of it all right, so I'm going to go. All right, that. what's your second book of the year? Okay, so my second book was a thriller. And first thing I need to say, actually, let me tell you the title and then I'll say it. So my second book of the year is The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz. First thing I need to say, 
is it's criminal, criminal. This book wasn't rated higher so that it could qualify for the Goodreads Choice Award, Goodreads Choice Awards. I've read a lot of thrillers, and this one finally and actually did something different than all the basic bitch thrillers that are being put out. So many thrillers are doing the same thing. I actually didn't have a lot of favorite thrillers that I read this year. I mean, if you literally look at my top five, it's not covered in thrillers. And same with my top 10. Honestly, there's more horror than there is thrillers. And I like to think I read more thrillers. But anyway, um, this book was doing something different. And it, it got like a three point people love to hate this book or like love to love this book. Like I know that this is in a lot of people's top books of the year and it's in mine. So this one you're following mainly this girl, Alex, who's a struggling writer since having a falling out uh, from her ex bestie run. She has been following and admiring this author, Rosa Vallo. Um, I think that's her name for a while now. And she's very interested in going to this retreat that Rose is hosting at her very own estate. And it's obviously uh, for writing, hence the writing retreat. Um, now, Alex and Ren have a third friend from their group, Ursula. And Ursula is uh, kind of has an in with Rosa and sets Alex and Ren up with going to this retreat without them knowing that they'd each be going. Um, so when they get there, the prize is massive but also catches everyone a little bit off guard. Um, it's to start a book completely from scratch and write 3,000 words a day. And then by the end of the... the but obviously, um, things can't go as planned when you stick a bunch of girls locked in a massive estate together trying to win a prize while also having their work critiqued. And especially when two girls know each other and also used to be best friends. Um, some some suspicious things start happening. One girl goes missing, and this book just kind of spirals from that point. This book had so many turns and so many what-the-fuck moments, and it was so unhinged and just wild. Honestly, if I could describe this book in one world, uh, one word, it would be wild. Um, I had such a good time reading this. I flew through this, and the fact that this book is a debut is crazy. Um, this was such an easy five star and one of not too many that I gave out to thrillers this year. Like I said, um, I didn't like love a whole bunch of thrillers this year, um, but I loved this one and highly, highly recommend. I don't think that this is one that you would like, though. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be. I remember you talking about this book when you did read it and it sounded enjoyable for you. Yeah, so um, I really recommend this one. Also, this one kind of has a snowy climate, too. So if you're looking for a wintry thriller, this could be an option for you for that. So, yeah. You gotta Good love stuff. that snow. Yeah. What's your number one best book of 2023? My book of the year. I got really close to the mic. I'm sorry. I got a little excited there. My book of the year is Swan Song. By Robert McCammon. This book was one I read early on in the year. It was either January or February. I don't even remember. This book was so good. It's better than The Stand. For a post-apocalyptic book. That's over like six, seven hundred pages. I did a video on YouTube about that. 
Yeah, we kept saying that we wanted to do a podcast episode. It just kind of worked better as a video yeah. at the time. But um, you still have more that you want to this, read. This book, yeah, I've got The Passage I got to read. There's a couple other big boys <laughs> I got to read. This book is so good. Like, I... The, the difference that got me and why I think it's better in The Stand is the fact that The Stand I had to reread twice because there's just so many characters, so many things going on. In this book, obviously, I'm a, I was a bit more seasoned with that, so I was able to pay better attention. And I absolutely loved this story. It was so, so good. I So basically, a post-apocalyptic world war breaks out everything kind of goes to poop everything gets destroyed nukes go off all this bad crap happens a lot of people die and we basically have our good versus evil and with the good side we have sue prescott otherwise known as swan josh hutchins which i'll get back to that guy in a minute and the sister creep otherwise known as just sister um who, who originally I think kind of starts off like eh, like kind of in between, doesn't really want to be on like a side, and then eventually she kind of goes to the good people. And then on the bad side, we have Colonel Macklin, uh, who's like a retired Air Force guy. Uh, Roland Cron- Croninger, Croninger, uh, he's a young boy who's like visiting this like uh, Air Force base or something like that when the nukes go off and he loses his parents. And Colonel Macklin basically, like, takes him under his wing. Uh, he's a very messed up kid, though. Very, very deranged. Like, he, he's, he's, he's out there. And then we have the man with the scarlet eye, who is basically this story's The Man in Black. Or, um, Randall Flagg. I don't know why I almost forgot his name. So, basically, how it's set up is we have... Two sides, good versus evil. We have the good people who are traveling the world, or what's left of America, basically, and trying to salvage what they can. They eventually all meet up in this place. I forgot what uh, state they meet up in. Part of me feels like it was... No, Colorado was uh, the stand. I can't remember where they all meet up. Um, but they all meet up in some place eventually... Um, can you guys tell this is my favorite book? Um, and the bad people meet up in a different part of the world. And it's kind of like East West, I believe. Um, again, it's been a year and the book is like six, 700 pages. So bear with me here. So my all time favorite character of this year is Josh Hutchins. This he's a, a giant black X like wrestler. And he basically is the protector of Sue, or Swan, like I said. And basically, Swan has an ability. The other thing that happens with when the nukes go off is people like get these weird like scabs all over their body, like from the nukes, and it does not really look the prettiest. Um, there's a scene towards the end where people start like shedding them, like they get sick and they can't move for like a day. And then they like shed off the stuff. And if you're on the good side, like you look good. If you're on the bad side, uh, I think Roland called uh, Colonel Macklin. He he looked like a nutsack. Like definitely 
definitely doesn't don't look good if you're on the bad side. Anyway, basically Swan has an ability because all of like the world was decimated that there's no plant life, there's no this, and Swan has a touch that can basically make things grow. So the bad people get word of this little girl who has this ability. And they're basically saying, we want her because our goods are starting to run out. So the bad people try and capture Swan. And yeah, that's basically the main premise of the book. Josh Hutchins has got my all-time favorite, like, not as he's my all-time favorite character, but he's also got my all-time favorite play of the year. Like, I, I know that sounds very sporty, but like, it all seems lost at some point towards the end. And then all of a sudden, just bam josh to the rescue and i like absolutely love this scene if you've read this book and you you know what i'm talking about towards the end like it, it all seems like all hope is gone and then all of a sudden just here he is so i absolutely loved i love this book it's better than the stand i'm going to point blank say it it's I, honestly i want to reread this one now too dang i'm so bad at this i always want to reread books when i talk them up so much I think that's the that's the beauty of books, the joy of reading. Yeah, especially ones that are over 600, 700 pages. So there you have my all-time favorite book of 2023, Swan Song by Robert McCammon. You guys, this is just the most beautiful thing in the world because if you listen to last week's episode when we talked about our worst books of the year... There was a book that landed on sex. My number one. Worst books of the year. My worst book of the year. Was what? Everyone in my family has killed someone. So, what is my best book of the year, you ask? Everyone in my family has killed someone by Benjamin Stevenson. I'm so glad that you enjoyed this uh, dumpster fire. We get asked every now and again every now and then what books we have opposite opinions on because there are we do share common opinions on a good chunk of books but there are a handful that we have opposite opinions on and this has got to be like the new top of the list his worst book of the year my best book of the year if you ask me what book i've gotten people to read i usually say honestly i usually say matt kurtz because I know that people have read that because of me, but I know that people have read this book because of me, and I have shared my copy of this book with several people, and I shared it with Zach. He didn't like it, I was which say, is Unfortunately, fine. I'm one of those people. Yeah, and I didn't like it. Oh, my gosh. I had the most fun with this book that I've had reading in such a long time. I do plan to revisit this book because the sequel comes out at the very end of January and you best believe that this is my most anticipated or that book is my most anticipated book of 2024, which we are currently in Uh, as we're recording this. We're not in 2024, but when you're listening to it, we are. So that means when people are listening to this, it'll be out within the next week or so. Yes. That's what I was just about to say. Beat you to it. I had just a blast reading this. So we're following this family who, if you can tell by the title, pretty much everyone has killed killed someone. And this book is broken up into parts. And each part is, uh, or chapters, parts, I don't really know. 
and each chapter apart is a specific family member and their story about who they killed and you're kind of just learning about more specifically about that character you have like the mom the dad sister-in-law like just any family member that you can any familial relationship uh person you can think of we have a chapter for them um but we're reading this book from ernie cunningham who is the narrator and his whole shtick is that he wants to be a reliable narrator so right at the beginning he's like i'm gonna be a reliable narrator you want to know what happens on this page this is what happens you want to know when deaths happen they happen on blank blank and blank like he butts into the book every now and again and will give you like kind of nuggets like that and tell you like what you can expect now i do understand why that wouldn't work for some people me it didn't work for zach but i it was just kind of refreshing to read a little bit different i haven't read a story like that before and it kind of made for like a fun reading experience it didn't take away from like the joy of reading it like knowing when kills were going to happen because honestly i forgot like he's he says that right at the beginning of the book and i didn't remember what pages those were going to come on and this whole family was just so fascinating to read about because literally everyone has killed someone and the narrator was just so enjoyable and his whole thing is that he's really into like crime fiction um and obviously there's been a lot of that within his family he's actually the reason why his brother was in prison and this family is not very close but they're all reuniting i think like three years after his brother was sent to prison um, they're reuniting at a ski resort because um, he's, he's getting out of prison. Yeah, he's getting out of prison. And a dead body shows up at the resort while they're all there. And so that's kind of like the mystery. This is not really a thriller, it's more mystery. Um, so don't go into this thinking it's some like big thriller. It's definitely more, way more mystery. This has kind of like a knives out feel. I feel like it kind of is inspired. A little bit by like Agatha Christie and that's kind of like where his um like crime, crime fiction obsession like you can tell that like some of the roots of that are from Agatha Christie too and this was just a whole lot of fun just to read because you get so many different um you still are sticking with Ernie throughout the whole book but you're still getting so many different elements of the book because you're learning about all these different family members and you also have, you do have a present day um, death that you're, a mystery that you're trying to solve um, while reading the book. And there's not really much more I can say. I just had a ton of fun. Like this is the most fun I had reading a book in years, like years. And I can't wait for the sequel. Like I said, the sequel's kind of interesting. I just read the synopsis for the first time a couple days ago and you're on a train everyone on this train is a suspect is what the book is called and ernie is going to like a convention or something with a bunch of authors and they're kind of all on this train and someone is ends up dead on the train and so all of these authors are kind of stuck one of them is the suspect and or the killer and they're kind of all, it's like for crime fiction. So they all kind of know about crime fiction. They're all obsessed with it. So you put all those people together while a mystery is at the helm. 
I think that that's going to be a really enjoyable, enjoyable reading experience. And I think that you should give it a try. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to give the sequel a try. Um, as you know, I always give books, authors, a, uh, short leash. I'll give them three chances. Alex North, O for two. And then angel maker happen. I don't remember a thing about that book, but, uh, I remember enjoying it, so... Also, this is one of my favorite book covers of the year, so... Yeah. Um, anyway... <laughs> anyway, I think that concludes our Best Books of the Year podcast edition, so... Yes, Books of the Year 2023 is in the books, as you would say. Right. So, oh, for on Instagram, like I said, that'll be linked in the show notes, we always post an episode promo uh, post on the day that we upload. Tell us what your favorite book of 2023 was. Let us know so we can see maybe if we read it or if you kind of agree with any of the books that we talked about. We would love to know. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, give, this vi- or give this video a thumbs up. Ha! Um, don't forget to follow the podcast wherever you listen as well, especially on Apple and Spotify. Those are the most helpful and we appreciate you very, very much. Yes. Yes, we do. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week for a new episode. Follow over on Instagram, everything like that. Like again, uh, is in the show notes and you keep up with what's coming up, what's happening you know, in the present time. So yeah, with that, we will see you next week and we hope you have a great week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.